All right. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome back. It is Thursday. I'm Gabe DeArmond. Thursday is the day before Friday, which is the day before Saturday, which means SEC football is almost back. And after a bye week, Missouri back in action. Uh, every Thursday, we preview the matchup. We're going to bring in Chris Lee from VandySports.com to talk Mizzou Vanderbilt here in just a minute. Before we do that, I do want to uh, give a, a quick shout out to Stuart Eastman over at Edward Jones here in Columbia. When it comes to your financial future, it's important to work with somebody who takes the time to understand you and your individual situation. Stuart will take a step-by-step -step approach to identify your goals and develop specific strategies to help you achieve them. Uh, get in touch with Stuart today. They're at 573-817-3108 to get started, whether you're trying to save for college, save for retirement, uh, you just kind of want to have some money uh, for a rainy day like this one, whatever. Stuart will take care of you. He's handled all of uh, all of my millions of dollars here the last few years, and he's done a fantastic job. Uh, now we want to bring in another uh, person who has become fabulously wealthy by covering incredibly successful SEC football like I have myself, uh, Chris Lee from VandySports.com. What's going on, Chris? Well, you know, we 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 measure wealth in ways other than money. So that's, I, I presume that's what you're referring to. Well, I mean, it's fortunate we do because if we measure it in terms of money, maybe maybe fall a little bit short. But uh, but yeah, we are uh, we are certainly rich with uh, with good games to talk about this season. This just maybe and, and doesn't particularly too. happen to be one of them. Yeah, um, we'll we'll get to it in a minute. Um, we could actually just spend the next like 22 minutes breaking down where the Braves stand at 1-1. I know that has consumed most of your thoughts over the last few days. So, you know. Yeah, it, it has been a fun time being a Braves fan. You know, them not having been to the series this millennium uh, and, and with the crazy, and I won't talk too much about it because your right. audience probably doesn't right. care. But it, it, let me just put it this way. If you like baseball and you like crazy stories, this team is for you because it has beaten an unbelievable amount of odds to get here. And it is it is thoroughly entertaining to watch the Braves right now. Well, they are America's team this week, certainly, uh, outside the city of Houston. Everyone uh, rooting for the Braves, I think. And uh, so, like you said, we're here to, to talk Missouri and Vanderbilt. So I just kind of want to – this is the easiest place to kick off this conversation to share with our viewers. I think I texted you on – it was probably Monday, might have been Tuesday – I'm not sure I trust Missouri to win this game. And you return that text with, oh, they will absolutely win this game. So confidence high on both sides coming into this. Yeah, it's probably never a good sign for either team right. when, the, when the beat writers of the respective beat are, are texting the other guy all the reasons that their team they cover is going to win. I mean, but it's yeah. it's – it's been that kind of year. And frankly, on, on Missouri's end, I expected better. On my end, I don't know that I did, but I thought yours would go a little yeah. better than it has. Yeah, that's – I mean, Missouri has been certainly a, a disappointment. It, it's clouded a little bit by the last three weeks. Like, it's not as bad as it it's looked the last three weeks, but it is certainly a disappointment. On your end, I mean – everybody at Vanderbilt kind of knew coming into this year. Last year was rock bottom and this roster might actually have had less talent. That's fair to say coming into the season, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. They lost their best two players on defense to the NFL. One was drafted mid-second round, and one made the Broncos out of camp as an, an undrafted free agent. And they 
they were their two best pass rushers. And he looked at the team and said, my goodness, that just they don't have speed. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that you can hang your hat on was Ken Seals, who did a really good job as a freshman a year ago. I thought played exceptionally well under the circumstances. And now he's hurt. And, and frankly, the offense kind of ruined him this season. I mean, the line can't block. They don't have time to set up any plays. The offense is too complicated. The throws are too long for too little. I mean, it, it was a bad lot coming in, but I, I think the, the way the team has coached has not helped. Hey, was this a situation that was created by just – they just kept Eric Mason longer than they should have? I, I mean, I, you know, from the outside, obviously Mason wasn't doing a great job, but a lot of people look and say, hey, Vandy's not the easiest place to win, but – Everything I've seen from people that know a lot more about Vandy than I do is I, they let him just hang on way too long, and that's why they're in the situation they're in. It was amazing when I talked to people over the years when it was clear he was not the guy, and it was clear he was not organized enough. The excuses that that school like would how make long for ago him, was that clear to you? Oh, it it was clear to me middle of year one. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I use this a lot on my own stuff, but I had the parent of a starting player who was pretty good call me and and just say, look, here's what's going on. My kid Mm -hmm. is getting one set of instructions from his position coach. He's getting a conflicting set of instructions from his coordinator, and he's getting a third and different set of instructions from the head coach. And if you watched him his first year and it just looked so discombobulated, which at the time was a real shock mm-hmm. from where they'd left off under, under James Franklin, they'd finished top 25 the year before. Now, look, he had replaced a lot of guys. They had a young team and it was probably not going to go well. But from seeing a guy that had it all nailed down to seeing that, it was astonishing. And then when you started digging in, you found out why. Look, Derek was a guy that I remember he opened the season – a year or two later saying, Hey, I good news. Everybody. I found my call sheet. It was stuck in a book somewhere. Um, it was just that kind of stuff yeah. throughout his tenure that you just shook your head and you said, how does he hang on to the job? No, to his credit, he took him to a couple of bowl games. He got him right. to six and seven at Vanderbilt. That's not hard to do. And the kids liked him. I think for the most part, they played hard for him, but look, as a head coach, You've got to have it all nailed down, and he just never did. Head mm-hmm. coaching is being a CEO. I think right. as a coordinator and a coach, he's fine, but he's not a CEO, and and the details and the discipline just all it, – it descended into one big mess a year ago. That got compounded by the conference-only schedule, mm-hmm. and Clark Lee got left with that, and, and that's where they are. I, I mean, it sounds a, a decent amount like – what went on here before Eli Drinkwitz got here. I mean, and I, it was not that bad under Barry Odom. He was okay. He was a 500 coach here, but a guy who maybe is better suited to be in charge of like half the team as opposed to be the front man for the team. And Mason and, and Odom are both doing decent jobs right now as defensive coordinators. So ironically, you correct me if I'm wrong. If he doesn't beat Missouri in 2019, is he fired that year? I don't know. I still think he hangs on to the job because I was still getting excuses not long before that. And I think that the new AD at the time who's now gone was going to get rid of a basketball coach 
and getting rid of a football and a basketball coach in your first year on the job. And frankly, they had a women's coach who needed to go too. He had a lot of house cleaning. I think he chose the one that was his in his wheelhouse, which was basketball. Malcolm Turner came from the G League. So I, I don't know. I mean, I thought at the time he was going to be gone because you heard a lot of talk about it. Looking back now, maybe it didn't matter. I mean, they lost yeah. to UNLV that year. <laughs> right. Um, right. Not, which, which also, when, when UNLV beats you and fires its coach shortly thereafter, that's probably a sign that it's time for change. But yeah. for whatever reason, they didn't, and, and it went on longer than it needed to. It, well, and, and that game, obviously, ultimately, I think, was the one that got Barry Odom fired. But it's also the game that this week a lot of Missouri fans are thinking of because they say, hey, yeah, maybe Vanderbilt's not good, but we're not good either, and we've seen better teams than this go to this place and lose to a bad Vanderbilt team, so they know it can happen. I mean, obviously anything can happen in a game, um, but that one is in the minds of Missouri fans, so from the other side of things, I mean, is something like that, can you see something like that happening this weekend, or is this Vanderbilt team not even, you know, what that one was? Well, look... After watching that that year, I'd never say never, okay? <laughs> right. Um, because I I didn't I didn't see that one anymore coming. Than I would see one coming Saturday. Mm -hmm. But you know, one one thing about Missouri, Missouri can't stop the run. Well, I've noticed that in watching them yeah, play. It it yeah, seems it's difficult. Been very, it's been very discernible. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that and the thing that you start to worry about this time of year is morale. Oh, um, yeah. And look, if, if Missouri shows up and plays hard, Missouri's going to win based on talent, even with the warts, right? I mean, mm -hmm. boring something like five or six turnovers right. or just something crazy happening, short fields. Missouri's going to win the game as bad as it seems. But it, I, I think it depends. It, it, I, and I'm not sure where Vanderbilt's head is as a team in this either. I mean, mm -hmm. when when it goes bad late in the season and you starting start to hear grumbling – as we both heard, I think, on our respective beats, you wonder. But I, I think as bad as it seems for Missouri, I've watched that team. It's got Look, it can still generate plays on offense. And Tyler right. Beatty against bad defense has lit people up. Mm -hmm. They're bad defense. I mean, I could see them getting him the ball 35 times alone and just winning the game on that. I mean, could right. it happen? Yeah. I mean, I, you occasionally see some crazy things happen, but I'd be surprised – if Vanderbilt pulls an upset. Yeah, my, my analysis of this is Missouri is a bad half team. Right now, Vanderbilt is is kind of a bad whole team. But let's let's talk about the, that run defense that you mentioned. I mean, there was a starting linebacker who was available yesterday, and somebody asked him what he'd seen out of Vanderbilt's offense, and he said, well, they're going to run the ball at us like every other team does. You know, I mean, this is not difficult. You literally never throw a pass against Missouri until Missouri forces you to throw a pass. Jimbo Fisher didn't throw many because he didn't have to. So... I mean, I, I did have to laugh a little bit when Missouri defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes said earlier this week that Vanderbilt had, I believe the quote was dynamic backs. I mean, who's their running back, Chris? Like, they've they've got injuries and, and they've got some some problems in the running game, right? I know they have a, a, a quarterback who will probably start on Saturday who can run the ball a little bit. But as far as turning around and handing the ball off, who who takes those duties? 
Look, when people want to know why people like you and I don't take press conferences as seriously <laughs> right. as, as the fans do, that's that's reason number one. Yes. Every um, team is athletic, fast, well-coached, plays yes. really hard, flies to the ball on defense, multiple on offense, want to be balanced on offense, but, you know. Yes. Well, well dynamic would be one word to describe <laughs> their running attack. I, I might could name some others. Maybe not the right one, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not the one I was thinking of. But, um, you know, in, in all seriousness to them, like as a Clark had a tough thing to deal with from the minute he got right. the job. Uh, they've got four scholarship running backs on the team. One of them has no business being on scholarship. Their best one is hurt, has been hurt since the Stanford game. Mm -hmm. He's done for the year. So that leaves them with, with two running backs and then a defensive back that they brought over in fall camp, who's a true freshman. Um, Patrick Smith has actually shown – some signs of, of competency at times. And I, I look, if you said after the game that he had a 100 yard rushing game, I wouldn't be shocked because mm -hmm. I've seen a little bit in him. Rocco Griffin's the other guy. He's got a little bit of quickness, but he's really too small to be, I think an sec back and that's it. And then they've got Mike Wright, their quarterback, who I think is going to play Wright's the fastest kid on the team. He was a high school mm -hmm. track star, but he just hasn't really figured it out how to make that translate. I don't know what it is, but you look at his rushing averages and they don't suggest he's got track star speed. You no, know, maybe Saturday is the game that he figures it out, but he's not really run the wall, the ball well from the quarterback position. So okay. look, I, I think they need a big game out of their backs, which they might get, and they need Wright to show something uh, because the passing game is just not there. That's what I kind of wanted to ask you. So, obviously, if you're Missouri, you have to go into this game saying we're putting, like, 12 guys in the box, right? I mean, because th we can't stop – no matter what we've done, we've stopped no one running the football. I mean, stopping another team, I think they allowed 185 yards in one game. That was their best game of the year so far. And then Vanderbilt – I mean, can Michael Wright throw the football? Can they – can they do damage through the air if somehow Missouri manages to force them to try? I'm not sure what Mike Wright is. I think he is an athlete playing quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, again, he was a like a 10'8", 10, 10'9", guy in high school. I think he's the fastest kid on their team. He does not throw the ball very well. Um, he's got a decent deep ball, which he just kind of lofts up there. Mm -hmm. And he's had some success in that because I think people are so worried about the run. He does not make intermediate throws very well, and he's just a, a skinny kid, Gabe. I worry about the pounding he's going to take yeah. the rest of the year because he's about that big around between the shoulders. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not really good when you're getting hit as often as their quarterbacks get hit. So uh, I, I just think they need to figure something out with him. If I'm them, I'm trying to get 20 pounds on the kid and make him a receiver next year. But for now, he's their starting quarterback because I don't think you'll see Ken Seals. I think he's still going to be recovering from injury. You okay. might see Jeremy Musa as a Juco kid that we saw for the first time last week. But that's it. They don't even have another quarterback, even a walk-on, I don't think, on the roster right now. Okay, so let's flip sides of the ball. You said, and this has kind of been Missouri's recipe, let's give Tyler Beatty 76 touches in a game and he will win us a game obviously Vanderbilt knows that they need to sell out to stop that Connor Bazelak is a he's not having a great year he's not having as bad a year as Missouri fans think he's having he's had some struggles but he is a guy that I think is capable if you just go in and say there's zero chance Beatty's beating us look he can't go beat Kentucky under those circumstances 
but he should be able to win this game. But what's Vanderbilt got defensively, and is that is that the plan coming in? Is just I know that was Tennessee. Josh Heupel said the week of the game, hey, everything they do goes through Beatty. So they just said we're not letting Beatty beat us. I've got to assume that's the plan from from Vandy. Yeah, where they have had success is they play tighter coverages now than they did a year ago. And you're mm-hmm. seeing some DBs jump some routes and get some picks. I think they had two all last season. I think they got nine or ten this year. So that's one thing that they can't do. No, their DBs aren't fast, but they do what they can. And so that's one thing I think you'll see. Um, the, the issue on this team gate is just is just speed. They, they don't have it on the back seven. They don't get a push. With the front seven, they've got a little bit more in recent weeks. It's a talent thing. You'll see it when you watch them play. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think that's going to be the plan. Uh, how well they can execute it, I don't know. But they have been good for a couple of picks lately, so there is that. Yeah, so we talked beforehand. Look, there's a limited amount of time I can spend breaking down this game. I mean, the truth that people have asked me for a prediction. I said it's going to be 10 nothing Missouri when everybody switches over to the cocktail party and forgets this game exists, right? So, uh, But I did want to talk a little bit more big picture. I mean, it, generally, year one is a complete honeymoon period. I get the feeling it maybe hasn't completely been that for Clark Lee. Is, that, is he... I, I, I mean, is he responsible for any of this, or is this just such a bad situation that it's like, hey, guys, you don't really get to start blaming him until, like, year three? I will preface everything I say with this. There are issues at Vandy that don't exist at any other program that right. you don't even know to look for. And then one day your phone rings, and it's like, you won't believe it, but this is what's going on. And, and so Clark Lee... When you take over at Vanderbilt, you're like playing a perpetual game of whack-a-mole, um, except there's holes and, and moles coming up that you don't even know are out there, right? So any criticism I would offer of Clark Lee is is going to be having said that he's going to have more issues when he takes that job, which he did, th- than he's ever going to anticipate. And those things take time, right? Now, having said that, they were so bad a year ago but I think the bar was set so low that it was going to be hard for him to really earn a lot of bad will. Right. But one thing you can do is when you're not good, if you put people to sleep, that is a real recipe for getting criticism. And their offense is awful. They have scored two touchdowns in SEC games. They both came against South Carolina. Right. They've been shut out twice in the league. Um, they're averaging, what, 13 points a game. They're averaging under five yards a play. The offense is too complicated. Um, they don't use the middle of the field at all. They throw everything. They throw all these, you know, 30-yard throws to make 10. It, would, it just doesn't make much sense, especially when you can't protect your quarterback. So having said that, he made a bad choice of offensive coordinator. He realized that in camp. He replaced him the first week oh, of wow. fall camp without telling anybody. Uh, nobody knew till it leaked out, and we asked him the first week, of the season. So that's always a bad sign when you were changing your coordinator in camp before a game. Frankly, yeah. 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 But, but, but yeah, three weeks before a game, but you know, that was not, that was not entirely unforeseeable. David Ryde never called plays. He'd never been a coordinator. And why, when you're a rookie head coach, you do right. that. I don't know. He's a charismatic guy. I guess he made a good impression. Uh, they were also going to keep their old offensive line coach. They had him on staff in February. I thought he did a really good job a year ago with the worst offensive line talent I've ever seen. This year, they got back, what, two starters? 
uh, or maybe one or two starters and a couple guys who've been backups that they didn't have last year who opted out for COVID. So they got all their guys back from last year except for their starting center, who was their best player. Um, then they bring back guys they didn't have a year ago, and the guys who came back are, are worse than they were two years ago, and the guys that played last year for the most part are worse than they were uh, the, the play calling in the offensive line, and, and especially when they could have kept the coach they had. They let Rye make the call on the coach. I think it was a bad call, and here they are. But, yeah, you're right. It's it's endeared him to some criticism at a time where really it was hard to go much downhill from where he took the job. Well, and it, it's interesting. It, I, I mean, look, we all know there's, there's a food chain in college athletics, right? Things – Everything is a little bit tougher at Auburn than it is at Alabama. It's tougher at Missouri than it is at Auburn. It's tougher at Vanderbilt than it is anywhere else in this league. And, and that's that's just the facts. So you have to strike this balance of once you know it's not the right guy, you've got to make that move. And Vandy probably didn't do that soon enough with Derek Mason. But also, you can't just go changing things out every two or three years. I mean... This is a, you've got to get into year four and year five before you really know if this is the right guy because that's the talent deficit he's he's trying to overcome. It's a, Even in the East, it's a very difficult league to try to come up from the bottom of. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if anybody knew the solution. It would have been solved, right, other than by James Franklin for a couple of years. But it, it's a really... Like, you just have to be right. When you hire the coach, you have to be right. And if you're not, it's going to set you back another five years. Let me give you an example of what they're up against. I have a podcast with Ken Seals, who was their starting quarterback uh, until he got hurt. And I asked him, and by the way, the, the answer didn't surprise me. But I said, just walk me through your schedule. What's it like? He's like a, a computer science minor. So he's he's an academic kid. And I just asked him, point like, how many hours of sleep do you get during the season? He said, uh, five or six hours most nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, some Sometimes last year it was two. And I'm going, wait a minute. I can't do my job on five or six hours sleep. Um, your job is going to class. Right. It's a little more and, physical. And participating in a physically demanding sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and and his story is not alone. They They don't mm-hmm. have – priority registration for their players. It's the only school in the conference where they don't have it. They don't let their kids go to summer school very much to make up for In other words, a lot of but schools. I, I think take, most schools yeah. it is honestly required. Yeah. You know, I mean, nobody will ever say it's required, but I don't know a single athlete who doesn't take summer classes. Well, look, Gabe, Tim, it is not damaging the student athlete experience or delegitimizing these guys as students. No. If you say, hey, take – Take 10 hours or whatever in football season, right. you know, take PE or whatever. Take some easy ones, go a little heavier in the spring, and then the and summer make, make up, up summer. some classes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, learning is learning. It doesn't really matter if you get it in the fall or the summer. Right. Um, and, and frankly, when you're not worn out, you're going to learn better anyway. Uh, but they, they're very stringent on letting kids take summer school, from what I understand. Uh, in order to get in, you, you get a better chance if you're behind in your degree which is a heck of an incentive to, to build in. If you want to get some rest, get get behind on your degree path. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a great message to send kids, right? Right. Um, and, and so it's just all kinds of things that are stacked against him. Now, Clark is, again, the OC high was a bad one. Uh, their offense is abysmal to watch. 
he deserves some criticism for that. But again, mm-hmm. when you're not playing with the full deck out of the gate, just with stuff like that, um, you know, you would hope that he would get some time and latitude to fix those things and the school would help him work on them where, where they just haven't before. And, and frankly, if they're going to have a fighting shot, it's going to take stuff like that. Yeah. Well, Chris, appreciate your time, man. It's a game so big that the SEC invented a new kickoff time for it. First 2 p.m. game, I think, since I've been in, been uh, covering the league. So uh, it's a barn burner on Saturday, man. Uh, it beats 7 p.m., so we'll take that. Very true. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later on. Thank you. All right, that is Chris Lee from VandySports.com. Does a great job uh, covering Vanderbilt for the Rivals.com network. Uh, one of my one of my best friends in in our network, and would encourage you guys to check out his coverage from that side of things. And and look, like we have some fun, but this is an SEC football game, and and I promise you, Clark Lee and his staff are pointing to this one as, hey guys, this is our chance. Like we ain't, we're not going to go beat. Georgia we're not going to beat Florida but this is our chance uh we can win this game whether they can or not I don't know like we talked about I've I've seen better Missouri teams well maybe not better but I've seen Missouri teams lose at Vanderbilt it is not out of the question Uh, Missouri should win this game um if Missouri doesn't win this game it is uh, like we're well past red flag point we're like you know what in the world is is happening? Missouri loses this game next week's the week I start asking. All right, what's going on behind the scenes here? Like this can't be explained by just just talent and scheme and coaching. Like there's something else going on here. What is it? Those are the questions we start asking if Missouri loses this game. I don't expect that to happen, but just just saying that's where we'd be if they did. Um, realistically, I would think Missouri's going to be four and four after this game and then, you know, find itself needing two wins in the last four weeks of the season to make a bowl game. Something that I don't actually think is completely out of the question. Missouri comes off the bye. Injury report should be out later today. That might be interesting. Eli Drinkwitz mentioned injuries probably six times in his press conference on Tuesday. So be interesting to see exactly who's available. But Missouri is 16-point favorite. Seems a little high to me for a team that hasn't covered all the, uh, the spread all season long but a clear favorite. This is a game Missouri should win. Um, So far this season, the games that they should win, they have won, right? I mean, they... Yeah, they lost to Tennessee, they lost to Kentucky, they lost to Boston College, but those are, at best, swing games. Those are, are toss-up games a little bit. The games that you win in saying Missouri should take care of business here, that's exactly what they've done. So I would expect more of the same on Saturday. Um, for those of you who joined us live, appreciate that. Um, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel before you leave. If you are listening on the podcast, which will be up shortly after the end of the show, just leave a nice comment, leave a good review, uh, share what we're doing, here makes it easier um, to spread the word and and have people tuned in and watching. Still trying to get to the number of viewers we had online for the the Luther Burden thing. We're, we're not quite hitting those with the daily shows, but do appreciate the the participation all year long. And and certainly it's been a, a good way to reach kind of a different audience and uh, and interact with you guys. And it's all made possible by the people who have stepped up and and been willing partners this year. That includes Stuart Eastman over at 
at Edward Jones of Columbia. You can reach him there at 573-817-3108. You can go to edwardjones.com and you can search for your own financial advisor in your area. Certainly, Stuart is is the guy we recommend here in Columbia if you're in a different area. Um, you know, obviously, check out who Edward Jones has there or get in touch with Stuart. He can put you in touch with the right person to handle your finances. Uh, Edward Jones does have all kinds of investment services to help you reach all of your financial goals, smart spending and borrowing, retirement, paying for college, maybe uh, estate considerations, just kind of protecting what you have and maybe, maybe growing your nest egg just a little bit. Um, it, they will set you up with as conservative a plan or as, an, as aggressive a plan as you want. Tailor everything to your individual needs. Once again, Stuart over on Rainbow Trout Drive. You can reach him at 573-817-3108. Certainly uh, recommend their services. Appreciate you guys being with us. We'll be back on uh, Friday afternoon with our Master Tech Picks show. Former Mizzou linebacker Brock Christopher going to join me this week. Uh, last week we had Denario Alexander. This week we're we're going to switch sides of the ball and go over and have a defensive player on to pick some games with me. So I hope you guys will tune in for that. Kickoff at 2 o'clock on Saturday. That means we'll pregame about 12.30, 12.45, something like that. Uh, so we're here all week. Appreciate you guys watching, and we will talk to you tomorrow.